Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song and play skillfully. Shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Well, I have some uh, good news for you, and I've also got some bad news. Uh, what do you want first? Give you the bad news first. The bad news is, uh, where is Ross Charles? There's Ross. Ross, would you stand up? Ross, would you come out the front here, please? Uh, Ross, um, <clears throat> uh, why would this be a bad news Sunday for us, do you think? Can you possibly imagine? Yeah, speaking to the microphone there, Ross. Well, today is my last day uh, at this church for a while, so... Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, look, uh, <clears throat> a groan, uh, you know, a sigh in the congregation speaks loudly, doesn't it? Um, Ross, uh, how long have you been in the church here for? Or what percentage of your life do you think uh, you've been in the church for? Probably 99%. Or 99% <laughs> of your life, yeah. I was thinking it was 99 to 100% of your life, and... Uh, uh, why, are you, why are you leaving us? Uh, I don't really want to leave you, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to study at Sydney um, at UTS. I'm doing a Bachelor of Construction Project Management. So, yeah, I'm going to be there for probably four years, and, yeah, time will tell. Yeah. That, but. Yeah. Oh, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, but that's the bad news. That, uh, yeah, exactly. Let me share with you the good news. The good news is that, A, he will be back on holidays and bringing his washing back to mum and so on. Um, but the, the good news is that in our church, our, our goal is uh, that our young people are raised in the knowledge and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we kind of get it that um, most of our, many of our young people are going to leave after year 12, but uh, to go elsewhere, to pursue studies and work and so on, as Ross is doing. Uh, what we want is for them to be well-grounded 
uh, in the gospel of Jesus and trusting in Jesus and living for, living for Jesus and loving and serving him um, to be well established in Christ uh, as they, as they f- fly the coop and uh, uh, head to places like Sydney and so on. And uh, Ross is a great example of that. Uh, we really praise God for the work uh, that he's done in your life and uh, we know that um, you're leaving us well established in Christ and uh, it's our prayer that you'll continue to be so and continue to bear fruit in your life. I, I, I want to just lead us in prayer for Ross. Would you join with me in that? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your work in Ross's life and we uh, do pray for him now that uh, as he goes to Sydney that uh, he will continue to love and to trust and to serve and to honour you. And we pray that um, you would uh, uh, guide his ways, uh, that he would establish himself in a good church where he can be taught the Bible and where he can in- continue to encourage others. Uh, we just want to thank you for Ross and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there could be a similar thing happening with Hallie as yeah, well. She's, uh, it's Hallie's days. not here with us today, but um, Hallie will also be heading to Sydney. And uh, it's nice that both of you are going to Sydney uh, for more than one reason. So, <laughs> well, let's uh, pray as we think about God's word, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for your word and we pray that uh, as we consider this psalm now, that you would be opening our eyes and helping us to uh, see the reasons that we have to, uh, to sing with joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was looking through my old CD collection <clears throat> when I came across this classic. This classic. It's, uh, it's from a box of CDs and it's called The Ultimate country box it's a six cd pack with a 120 of the greatest country hits of all time and back in the day it cost me 29 dollars and 95 cents for all six cds and i thought that was a great bargain that works out at 25 cents per song how about that but uh browsing through the uh, the song list I've discovered that there's actually a very uh, limited range of topics that these uh, country singers from, you know, back 25 years ago when I bought that, uh, uh, what they sung about. Um, A very limited range of topics. Firstly, there's immorality. (laughs) They sing about that a lot with songs like uh, Behind Closed Doors and Help Me Make It Through the Night. There's songs about trucks like Six Days on the Road and King of the Road. And there's songs about being fed up with work, like this classic from Johnny Paycheck called You Can Take This Job and... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then there's that biggest category of all, broken relationships. Oh, lonesome me. Lonesome number one. And I'm so lonesome I could cry. You've got to love the country songs, don't you? Because they kind of, um, they sort of capture life. Um, they, I think that they kind of capture life in this, in this broken and uh, sinful, fallen world. But it's not just old country songs that do that, is it? I mean, when you think about it, 
a lot of uh, a lot of popular songs these days are so much of them about broken relationships and the and the messiness of life and songs that um that promote sin as well i i was in the uh, was it woolworth shopping uh, woolworth supermarket the other week and uh you know they play these old 1970s songs over the over the loudspeakers because they don't have to pay too much in royalties for them and there i was i was just humming along to this boppy 1970s pop tune that they were playing and then i stopped and thought about the lyrics i was singing and <laughs> oh, they were appalling the, the disgraceful lyrics particularly in terms of the attitudes towards women um, one of the standout features of the Christian life is that we do lots of singing, don't we? We do lots of singing together. And I say standout because when you think about it, there, there are not too many places in our, uh, in our society, in our community, uh, where people actually gather together and, uh, in order to sing with one another. I mean, if you go to any church service on any Sunday... Uh, apart from, you know, COVID-19 restrictions and so on. Uh, go to any church service on any Sunday and what you're likely to do is you're, gonna, you're likely to find yourself singing with other people. Communal singing. And I mean, where else does that happen? Uh, you, could, you could join a choir. You could go to a karaoke bar, but that's hardly singing. <laughs> and it's not, it's not communal. And it's not communal. Um, but you come to church... And we sing together. Why do we do that? Why do Christians sing so much? Well, in January, we've um, been looking through a variety of different psalms. And psalms were written in order to be sung. Um, the, the book of Psalms was actually, was actually Israel's songbook. Um, this, th- these were the songs which, in the Old Testament times, that they sung in their worship, um, which, by the way, is the reason why when you look at some of the psalms, you see just above verse 1 there'll be some instructions, which is actually part of the psalm, and these are, these are musical instructions. Um, it'll say, you know, instructions for the, um, uh, for the, for the music leader, the, the, for the director of music. Uh, they'll actually sometimes give instructions on the name of the tune that you're supposed to sing this psalm to, uh, back in ancient Israel. Now, we don't have that kind of detail uh, with Psalm 33, but uh, Psalm 33, the whole of the psalm is actually encouraging us to sing and, and giving us uh, good reason as to why we sing. I wonder if you could have a look in your Bibles at um, Psalm 33, and uh, I'm going to pick it up at verses 1 to 3, just the introduction to the psalm. Uh, where the psalmist starts by saying, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song and shout for joy. Sing for joy. Make music to the Lord. Did you see there that it specifies a couple of um, instruments um, that are played? The, the, what is it? The harp and the ten-stringed lyre, the, the, um, the stringed instruments. And that probably, by the way, would not have represented... Uh, that would have not been the whole band. Uh, that would have been just representative of the band. 
uh, because we know that in uh, Old Testament worship, the, the band was, uh, was pretty big. Uh, we see that from other psalms. For example, uh, in Psalm 150, where the band includes not just the stringed instruments, but also trumpets and tambourines and flutes and percussion, clashing cymbals. These are all part of the band. I mean, these days, what would we call that sort of service? We'd call it, we'd think, well, that's a pretty contemporary church service, wouldn't we? <laughs> pretty contemporary. But this was music uh, in Israel's worship. Sometimes in the Psalms, the singing would be um, less joyful. It would be more slow and sombre. Uh, when the psalm actually expressed people's sorrow for their sin or the difficulties of the circumstance that they found themselves in. Uh, in, for example, Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we laid down and wept as we remembered Zion. Hardly appropriate to sing a, to a joyful uh, tune to that. Uh, let alone a disco tune. By the rivers of Babylon, we lay down and wept. But here it's about joy. <laughs> it's about joyful music and joyful singing. So why? Why should we sing to him a new song? Well, the psalmist gives us three reasons. First of all, there is the word of the Lord. Uh, why should we sing joyfully? Well, in verse 4, uh, the psalmist says for, and that's a, that's a connective. This is giving the reason why you should sing joyfully. Why should we sing joyfully? You should sing joyfully for, because the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You know, when God speaks, his word expresses his character. That's how we get to know God, who he is and what he's like. He speaks, he tells us. Uh, we learn from his word that, that he is righteous, that he is just, that he is loving. And that's why we need to be reading our Bibles, isn't it? To get to know God and the character of God. And when God created the universe in Genesis chapter 1, how did he do it? What did he do? He spoke. I mean, we think it's impressive <clears throat> when someone's word has so much authority that they've only got a issue a command and other people obey them, <laughs> things get done. And yet, God only had to speak, let there be light, let there be sky, let there be sea, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day and the night. He only had to speak these words and the universe came into existence by God's word which means that the creation reflects the character of God. Now, um, I'm not a scientist, but I reckon that the best kind of scientist to be would be to be a scientist who is a Christian, 
Um, to be able to study the complexities of biology and physics and chemistry and geology and astronomy and to be able to say, I get it. I understand. I, I know why this is so orderly. I know why this is so remarkable and ingenious. I know why this is so well designed because I know the one who made it. I get it. It bears the qualities of the creator who made it all by the breath of his mouth. The Lord spoke in verse 9 and it came to be. I reckon that's worth singing about, don't you? Uh, I mean, it's nice to, uh, to sing about the beauty of creation, but how much better to be able to sing about the creator who not only brought uh, this world into being, but also we've seen the psalm has a plan, a plan for this world. He has a plan for, uh, he has a plan for you and for me. Check it out in verse 10. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. You know, uh, when we rejoice uh, in the creator... Not everybody rejoices with us. I'm sure you've noticed that. Um, we Aussies, we love our public holidays, don't we? Um, enjoying the, the creation, um, enjoying the beach and enjoying the lake. I had a lovely Australia's Day down on Lake Cadai. Uh, we enjoy the beauties of creation. But for many people, the, the very thought that there may actually be a creator well, it's not even a thought that they really want to have. They kind of suppress that whole idea. Um, Satan loves apathy. Um, it's one of his uh, favourite tactics against God. Uh, people say, well, you know, mm, I don't really care. I don't really think too much about, you know, where this all comes from. I just like to enjoy it as much as I can for as long as I can. That's apathy. That's a rejection of God. Some people are more active in their rejection of God, people, people who want to extinguish uh, the, any belief in God, um, like those who, um, who devote themselves and who are uh, committed uh, to um, seeing uh, the Bible no longer taught in our schools because they don't want the next generation to have any thoughts about God. They would rather see God extinguished uh, from our thinking. And then there's probably, there's a lot of other people who would just rather that we keep our beliefs to ourselves, thank you very much. This is all opposing God's plan. Opposing God's plan for the world. Opposing God's plan even for themselves. And yet, in Acts chapter 16, when the Apostle Paul and uh, his offsider Silas were arrested in Philippi for preaching the gospel and uh, they were thrown into prison, into the, into the inner cell of a prison and they were shackled in chains, uh, what did they do? How did they respond to that? Well, they prayed and they sung hymns of praise to God in prison. 
with chains. They sung hymns of praise. Not because they thought that they might be going to be miraculously um, uh, freed as they were, but because they knew that no matter what happened to them, no matter what opposition there is to the work of the gospel and for the extension of God's kingdom, that God's plan for his kingdom would never be foiled. <laughs> would never be foiled. And it's true for us personally as well, isn't it? Um, because if we uh, place our trust in Christ, then nothing can foil God's plan for us. Uh, if we trust in Jesus, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. Not even death itself. That's God's plan. It's why when, when Christians die, uh, what do we do when we gather together? We sing, don't we? Even through our grief, we can joyfully sing hymns of praise to the Lord. To the Lord, who we see in the psalm here, whose, who, whose eyes see everything about us. Uh, there was a sign on a church outside, um, a, a, sign on a sign outside a church in Brisbane, uh, which said this. It said, and I quote, You know your methods, he knows your motives. I'm not sure that I want him to, know, to see me that well, do you? I mean, that's, that's a bit scary, don't you think? But check out verse 13. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. I mean, how scary is that? Uh, as great as God is, he looks and he sees us. He knows and he considers everything we do. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. He knows our sin. But the sense here in these verses is a little bit different to that. The sense here is that when God looks upon us, that he does so as our loving and our powerful Father, as our Saviour. He's looking out for us. Uh, in verses 16 to 19, um, you know, when Israel was helpless to save herself in a war, uh, and they, <clears throat> you know, it says that it doesn't matter how big your army is or how many horses you've got, you can't actually save yourself. Well, in the same way as sinners... Uh, you and I have got no power to save ourselves from judgment. But in verse 18, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them from famine. Um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, Paul reminds us, that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And that, friends, is because the eyes of the Lord are upon us. And so our hearts rejoice. Verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. 
for we trust in his holy name. He's our help. He is our shield. And so we wait in hope and we rejoice in him. Worth singing about? What do you reckon? Absolutely. Although I wonder if you notice in verse 3 that uh, what type of song it is that we should sing. Take another look at verse 3. See what it says? It says, sing to him a, what kind of song? A, a new song, play skillfully and shout for, for joy. A new song. Uh, in the Old Testament, the, the term a new song comes up uh, about five times and every time when it comes up, it's, it's, it, it, it's a song about salvation. Um, you know, I was trapped in a hopeless situation because of my circumstances or because of my sin. Um, I cried out to the Lord uh, for mercy and he saved me and therefore I will sing a new song. A new song, a song of salvation. That's how it's used in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there are only two passages where a song is described as being a new song being sung and they are both in the book of Revelation. Uh, in that, that great vision that where, we, we, where we get to see uh, into God's heaven. Um, in Revelation chapter 14, where a, a crowd of the redeemed sing a new song to the Lamb who was slain. Um, and in Revelation chapter 5, uh, where in picturesque language, 24 elders and four living creatures sang a new song to the lamb who was worthy because he was slain and with his blood purchased men for God, men from every tribe, from every language, from every people, from every nation and then they were joined by a countless myriad of angels, 10,000 times 10,000 angels singing, singing honour and glory and praise to the Lamb who was slain. A new song to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you and I have got something worth singing about. How God, with his all-seeing eyes, saw our sin and sees us and by his powerful and, and had a plan to send his son Jesus to save us and by his powerful word and spirit has changed us so that we can now sing a new song because we are now a new creation made by him. And so we sing a new song. And singing is a really great thing to do, don't you reckon? <laughs> I read somewhere recently that the studies show that people who sing regularly are actually more healthy, you know, more mentally healthy and, and so on. Uh, and uh, singing songs about God, well, it, it enables us to express the, the, the great truths about who God is, about what God has done for us in Jesus and about the great hope that we have. We can sing these great truths. And in, so, in singing these truths together, we are reminding ourselves of the great truths of the gospel <laughs> And we're actually encouraging and teaching each other in these great truths as well, which is why the words of our song, songs are very important. And we do so 
not just with our minds, but also with our hearts. As our, our mind and our emotions are engaged uh, with that wonderful emotion of joy uh, which flows from knowing um, God and knowing that we've been saved by him through Jesus, by the lamb who was slain. The words are important, as is the music. Uh, something I noticed, um, I guess recently, when I've been on holidays and visiting some other churches, is a sort of a subtle shift away from singing the new song, singing about the gospel. Where the songs in church have been more about me and about what I will do for God rather than being about God and what he has already done for me, which is, which is what actually generates the joy, the thankfulness, the gratitude, and the heart's desire to serve him. Something I discovered <coughs> about my, um, my bargain CD box. <coughs> Six CD box of country classics. I discovered this when I was looking through it, that all of the sad songs of broken romances, of loose lovers and of trucks, they're all in CDs one through to five. <laughs> but in CD number six, every country song is exceedingly positive with lyrics just oozing confidence hope, joy and meaning. Did you know that they sing hymns on, Christian, on country music CDs? <laughs> Songs with words such as, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Jesus is your ticket to heaven. <laughs> there is power in the blood and what a friend we have in Jesus. You know what this means? I didn't completely waste my $29.95. <laughs> in Ephesians 5, the, the Apostle Paul encourages us to, um, in, to in, in speaking the words of Psalms and of singing to one another um, spiritual songs and making music in our hearts to the Lord. So I, I just want to ask you now if you've all got a. a um, well, there, can, there you go. I wonder if we can all just. Um, uh, Share together these words from Ephesians 5 as we close off. Together, speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay.